From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the Indie Weekly Podcast. And uh, coming up, a really fantastic practical conversation for any artists out there. This one is all about album release strategies, um, talking about the promotional efforts and planning that need to go into bringing listeners and attention to a new record and addressing a lot of the common mistakes that artists and their teams make along the way. This session, and I should mention, the the interviewee or special guest for this session was Jake Myhall from uh, Dynalone Records. He is the marketing manager and label manager over there. And uh, Dynalone, um, if you're Canadian, you almost certainly know about Dynalone Records. If you're not Canadian, they're um, one of the most successful indie labels here in Canada, working with a lot of highly accomplished uh, domestic artists like um, Alexis on Fire and City and Color and the Sadies and so on. But also working with a lot of international artists such as Billy Bragg, the Lumineers, and others. Now, like I started to say a second ago, this session was uh, part of Indie Weekly number 74, I believe it was, and this was back on October 11th of last year. Uh, you'll hear Indie Week founder Daryl Hurst talking at the beginning of this, mentioning that um, you know at the time they were recording this, Breakout West had just ended, and uh, the inspiration for this conversation about album release strategies and bringing Jake in for this session was kind of inspired by a panel that he uh, was a spectator for at Breakout West um, about album release strategies and some of the stuff that he felt they kind of missed and or omitted in that conversation. And uh, it's funny listening back to the beginning of this because I was at Breakout West too and also attended that session and I wasn't yet working here at Indie Week, but I was, you know, after that session chatting with Daryl about it and, um, you know, he was bringing up some of the things about uh, social media ads and other tools and strategies that they didn't talk about in the panel. And so now, um, months later, being here and hearing this recording, it's uh, it's funny to think back to that conversation I remember having with Daryl back at uh, after that Breakout West panel. Be like, oh, okay, cool, interesting. It's uh, it's funny to know that uh, from that, he uh, this session with Jake uh, came about. But anyways, uh, this is a really great one, a really useful one to listen to uh, for any artists and managers and uh, you know, other members of artist teams out there. But as always, before we get to this week's conversation, we must first acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinaabe, Métis, and Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Of course, we must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, Actor Racks, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, SEMA, City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, and the SOCAN Foundation. We must also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work we do for the music community. So a big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, now to this week's conversation. It is Indie Weekly number 74, and we're going to be talking about release strategies, which I think is always uh, full of questions and uh, trying to figure it out to that road of success. Uh, I was just at Breakout West, and they had a panel on it, and I left after that panel going, man, they didn't even touch on all, like social media ads and stuff like that. So uh, we thought, let's do a release strategy themed talk and we've got Jake Myhall from Dynalone Records and uh, that we've had some pre-discussions about this session and uh, I'm super stoked about this. Uh, every artist goes through this. How do, we, how do I get a release and cut through the clutter? There's like 60,000 other songs per day going out there. How do we cut through the clutter? And uh, we're going to try to demystify some of that. So, uh, Jacob, if you can, please uh, give us a little bit about your background and who you are and what you do. Hey, everyone. Uh, super stoked to be here. Um, so I work at Dine Alone Records. Uh, I'm a marketing manager there slash project manager. Um, I've been there for about five years or almost six years now. And uh and it's really great. I get to work on some awesome releases. There's also a sub-label within Dynalone Records that I run called New Damage Records. Um, so I'm the label manager there. 
Um, and yeah, I've worked some great campaigns uh, throughout my years, a couple big ones this year, like Cancer Bats and Comeback Kid. Uh, I've worked with Sparta Records. Um, uh, recently, a uh, Say Anything offshoot of Maximus, Maximental. Um, so yeah, I've uh, I've put in quite a few, got a few, quite a few records in uh, throughout my years there, and I'm excited to try and share some knowledge with you guys. Awesome, awesome, and, and I, like I said, I'm really stoked based on like you know some of the conversations we've been having. Um, let, let me throw this out. Let's take a few minutes before we d- dive into it. What are the maybe the top three common mistakes you see first uh, that artists make or managers make when releasing music? Uh, first thing is rushing it and not having uh, anything done properly or in time or being able to, you know, create a bit of excitement around the release. Um, that would be the top one. The second one is just sort of not planning any you know, social content around it or anything like that. Um, and the third one is just thinking you're going to throw it out there and just think it's going to get picked up because it's a good song, because that is almost never the case. You see a hit song, there's so much more behind the scenes that you don't know what actually went on. Um, so there's, yeah, mostly planning and, you know, getting everything in order before setting up this release. Uh, it takes a lot of time and you can't rush these sort of things or else, you know, your amazing song could just get lost with these 100 other thousand songs being released that day. Uh, Wow. I totally agree with all (laughs) this. So uh, have you ever, based on what you just said, have you ever actually gave the advice on, you know what, let's push it back six months. Let's, let's hold off on this right now and, and take that time to prepare and basically change the plans that you have already. Yes, yes. I, it happens so constantly that I need to tell the artists that we need to wait. It's, it's insane. <laughs> um, and even recently this year, there was a new Sparta record ready to go. And uh, Jim Ward, singer Sparta, he really wanted to release ahead of a tour for the Get Up Kids that he was doing across American tour. And I had to convince him that we cannot try and rush this album in two months because there's no way we can get physical in order. There's no way we can get teams involved and, you know, everybody across the board interested without any lead up or anything like that. Um, it just, so yeah, it just, it doesn't make sense in this. Yeah. There's, I've got so many cases where um, artists think it's, it's ready to go and, you know, maybe they have a good show, a festival play or a tour that, you know, they think I need this out for then, but it'll always benefit you to, to plan ahead and, you know, prepare properly for it. Well, I, I don't think I can ask for a better segue into, uh, <laughs> so, so we just sort of had a quick chat and decided let's break this down into sort of three sections and, and basically pre-release, during release, and post-release. Um, so so let's jump into the pre-release. Um, how far out do you really start planning uh, uh, like to do a real full-on proper release? So for me, it's, you know, you want to try and map out a release at least six months prior. Um, and that's six months prior to re- uh, receiving masters and artwork and then from there you kind of start planning ahead um, it is good to try and plot some dates around it so say there's you know when a tour announced or shows or something like that that's great but ultimately you want at least six months lead up time in order to do that and then that's six months lead up to kicking off your campaign that's not even six months to like putting out your record so you know it's it's actually more like you're starting to map out your album release almost 10 months because your album campaign can be, you know, roughly around two to four months long as well. Um, so, yeah. And then also in terms of physical with physical taking so long these days, you know, you know, you're waiting, you know, eight to 10 months to get your vinyl in hand. So you're going to want, you know, physical to come out the same day as, as digital. So that's going to be about, 10 months ahead of time as well. 
from getting it into the plant and everything submitted in order to hit that date. Yeah, that's like such great advice. And I even remember sort of like pre-digital days uh, where uh, so many CD release parties didn't have the CDs ready yet. Uh, so uh, physical <laughs> is, is something that's really important. If you're doing physical, uh, give yourself the time to actually put in the order and to actually receive the order. Um, I kind of have this rule of thumb, almost everything we do add 20%. So if I think it's going to take X number of days, I add 20% on everything just across the board because something's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. Exactly. Always a lot for that extra time. And um, I'm sure, you know, we all work with artists. Things always take longer than you anticipate. So give yourself that extra window. Right. Now, in that sort of lead up time, like what are what are some of your, um, I guess you probably have a template on, here's all the things we need to do. Um, maybe yeah. maybe walk through, like if I'm planning a release, what, what are the things that are like my highlights that I need to really focus on and make sure I'm doing correctly? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, first and foremost for me is you, you kind of got to figure out what your budget is and what you're working with. Um, so, you know, you do your research, preview sales and all that, you kind of figure out how much money you got allotted for marketing, recording, digital content creation, all that other stuff. Um, and then after that, you can kind of, you can start locking in your teams. Maybe, you know, maybe you're hiring digital marketing, you know, you're hiring PR or you're hiring radio, depending on the release. So you kind of figure out what your teams are, what, what kind of budget you've got to go to them and then try and lock them in. And you know what, you want your teams locked in at least pr three months prior to launching your campaign as well. That gives them ample amounts of time to get ready and start seeing notes to contact as well. Um, and then after that, you know, you really wanna do a big sort of case study and figure out what your, you know, your demographic is, who you're marketing to and who are, you know, the new fans you wanna, you know, find. Um, so what I do for a lot of my releases as well is, you know, I will look at similar artists and see what they did, look at other successful campaigns and, you know, take notes from them. Um, you know, I'm always finding new creative ways to market records. And it's always, you know, it's almost always through similar artists that are doing cool things. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, you know, budget, find your demographic, who you're marketing to, and then, after that, I think it's really important to find, find a theme for your record and an aesthetic that you can really just keep consistent throughout the whole campaign. Um, you want all your branding to align. You don't want things to look, you know, different throughout the campaign. You want, you want it to be a cohesive campaign and project that, um, you know, people will recognize when they see it. And it's, um, so yeah. And then from that, on top of that, you know, you want to start planning your content strategy and getting everything rolling at that point as well. And, you know, that goes into your themes and what you want to do with that, but start getting all your content ready, be it press photos, um, music videos, um, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. Right. I, I've got a couple of questions based off that, because I agree with everything. And, and a lot of people were probably independent doing it themselves. What that means is maybe add two more months to the timeline. Uh, if you, <laughs> yeah. Just just all it is is time. Like, again, not rushing it. Mm -hmm. Just give yourself extra time if you need to. And that's okay. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's okay to take time uh, to make sure it's done properly. Yeah, um, exactly. Now, I've got a question in regards to budget, for instance. Um, yeah. So, percentage-wise, let's say we've got a pie how much percentage in the actual production side versus marketing side would you say? Because I feel a lot of times artists, especially when they're working on their own, they put almost all the money into production and then there's almost nothing left to market and, and, yeah. and promote it. So, so what's <laughs> the balance there? What, like, like say if you've got, you know, hundred thousand dollars, how much would go to production? How much would you 
due to marketing? Very, very good point. Um, I would actually say it is almost half and half. Um, if you're spending, you know, 20K to make a record, you want at least 20K to market that record as well. Um, and I think, it, I think it depends a bit on, you know, the size of the artist. Because, um, you know, some, some major artists will have an insane recording budget that just doesn't make sense for a marketing budget. But I think, you know, for our like mid-tier bands throughout, you know, independent labels, uh, you know, that are, you know, doing a few thousand records per album, like it's, it's typically a half and half is, is yeah. Awesome. I, and I, I, I want to bring that up just because I've, I've worked with a lot of artists where like, yeah, they spent everything as much as they can on production. And so um, if budget is an issue, maybe it's more like, okay, I'm going to do six songs, not eight songs or like, like make those wow. decisions so that there is marketing dollars there. Uh, it's so important. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, I say that all the time. There's no point in, you know, making a fantastic record if you can't market it and no one's going to hear it. I mean, it's, it's just as important to market your record properly than it is to make a really good record. Um, Cause yeah, you see a lot of artists, yeah, they will blow all their budget on that. And then they'll wonder why their amazing record didn't do so well. Well, it's cause they couldn't get in front of enough people because they didn't have the money to do it. So yeah, you definitely got to make sure you're saving money there and allocating a budget for, for, for marketing. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the potential third part of the pie is touring. So uh, just to uh, make it even yeah, more difficult there. Is, is uh, touring and such. So um, mm -hmm. I liked your comment about aesthetic. Um, it, it's, it's something that I, I find is, is also kind of overlooked um, because, you know, planning it out, part of the way that I look at it is I try to think what is the end results I want and I try to move backwards and, and, you know, there's a monetary, I want to make X number of dollars. We want to sell X number of releases or sell X number of tickets kind of thing. Um, I really believe the aesthetic plays such a huge role in all of that. Uh, how do you stand mm -hmm. out from the crowd? Often it's, what does it look like? Not necessarily what it sounds like, but when people are scrolling, they recognize it. Uh, so, yeah. so can you talk about building that aesthetic a little bit more? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I think it, you know, you kind of play off your album or single or whatever you're working with in the artwork, but you want to come up with sort of a main theme that is easy to sort of replicate and say it's, you know, the color of the artwork and you can add a filter on sort of all, all your relief um, assets that you're putting out. Um, and, you know, you want to make sure all your social icons are changed and, you know, it's, that branding is just consistent throughout. Um, and, you know, there's just so many little things within that world you can do to perfect the aesthetic. Um, but it's, it's, it's really just like being consistent and, you know, make, making sure all the content is also like of the same level. There's not any content that's, you know, really low quality and some that's really high quality. You know, if you're only gonna get a few high quality pieces, make sure they're they're kind of living on their own a bit and then you can keep consistent with your you know mid-tier stuff um that everybody's going to see and sort of relate to relate you to and resonate with yeah I, I, and you know like what you said about color really uh resonates there's a band i was working with and and we went with blue as sort of their color and uh, this is back in the day before LED lights, you know, there was gels in, in lights. <laughs> yeah. And literally every club we went to, we would look at the gels and we would rip out all the colors that weren't blue or white. So that yeah. visually live also matched what the album release was. Um, yeah. It, it's so important, I find, like just that consistency, um, especially now what's in real life, as we say, and what's online. Uh, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a psychological factor there, I, I find. Yeah, exactly. It's great. And I mean, like you can use that theme and that color for all of your promotional material as well. And for all your merch, um, and you know, 
people, you know, and it's something fans can really get behind, I find too, is, you know, they feel almost like more part of a club and, you know, connected to this album more if they can just kind of relate it to this one thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. You just reminded me like, like their, their crowd was industrial goth. So a lot of the girls started wearing blue makeup and that black and blue type clothing, the dark stuff. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it does allow, allow fans to kind of feel as part of the club, part of the team. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and uh, yeah, wow. Some of those memories of those days coming back, uh, <laughs> but, but it's so important to get ahead of it. Now um, you were mentioning like you've got a couple of releases out right now. Uh, so what what happens like let's say week of release and now it's out what happens week after uh so week of release is typically what i encourage my bands to have the busiest week um and really get everyone engaged throughout the fan base and on all their social media platforms um so you know that's what i encourage them to you know go online do some you know q a's on their instagram story or you know get them to comment their favorite song or what they're most excited about on the record now that the tr track list is out um and and yeah and really you know that's when you know you'll start seeing reviews rolling in you'll start seeing more press roll in so you know you just want to make sure they're on top and sharing everything there but um you know prior to release i think a couple of things you really want to do is you know figure out you know what platform is working best for you as a band and you know plan your content around that like you know this is ultimately going to be one of your top sources of finding new fans um you know for example say you're not great at twitter but you know you have you're seeing some growth on tiktok really focus on that platform and that and you know that doesn't mean stop posting on twitter but i think you know if something's working spend more time on building that and then the other one will follow eventually yeah. no I, I totally agree with that like uh i think mental health wise a lot of people are feeling like oh there's need to be everywhere what mm -hmm. i think is exactly what you said is find where you find your audience the easiest and engage yeah. with the easiest and use all the other platforms to direct to that um yeah like i'm on twitter so follow me on instagram and and hey I, have yeah. you seen my instagram reel today you know like simple as that exactly exactly same you know you're blown up on tiktok be like make sure to follow us on instagram and see all these cool behind the scenes photos that we're not posting over here. Um, right. Yeah, I think, yeah. No, those are great points. Uh, I, I like, and then, uh, you know, that getting in engagement week of, are you also uh, like kind of reading between the lines here, uh, trying to work the algorithms and, and try to get into the algorithms, pushing everything up? That's exactly it. I mean, obviously you want the most eyes on you release week. So that's what you want to be doing is, you know, building, you know, making sure your posts are being seen in front of your followers. Cause we all know how Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that work now where it's, you know, they're hiding your posts and, you know, you, you know, if it doesn't do well off start, it's getting buried. So there's, there's a lot of like little tricks to, you know, working around that. And that is making sure your fans, are commenting and are engaging with your posts and you know it can be as simple as um like a choose which song you like the best and and you list four songs in your instagram story and they click it and now that they've actually interacted with your story their your posts are going to get in their feed more and more um so there there are simple tricks to, you know boost up engagement and that you know that's something i i highly encourage like leading up to the release and especially like week you know the week before right and, and it literally just is engagement right like it could be anything. yeah exactly so, so. so saturday often tends to be catterday and people are posting cats and it's trending and all this stuff <laughs> yeah. it's crazy uh but but you know like you said i think it's about get some reaction and that leads to algorithms starting to pick it up and push it out further uh, and the next post goes to the people that engaged and, and things like that. Um, yeah. Any any other tricks that you would want to share before we move to the next? 
Um, yeah, I mean, one thing I was, I mean, I just think you, you really need to create an abundance of content outside of your typical sort of music videos and stuff, which you can, you know, push prior to release. Um, and, you know, stuff like track by tracks or bands are just explaining, you know, what the song means, you know, those go a long way prior to release. And, you know, they can get fans really excited about tracks that aren't out because they've talked about it um, before. Um, so that's a big one. And then this doesn't necessarily pertain to like uh, just a week before the release, but like start your campaign, you know, start to build out a, a database for your fans. You know, maybe it's mailing lists or text lines or something like that, but some way where you can inform fans, you know, week of or day of release and be like, this is out now. Like, you know, you might not see it, you know, you might not be online, but here's, here's this reminder. Like we can send you a text now that you've given us your number. Um, so I think that's like, you know, and you, you keep pushing that throughout the whole campaign. And it's, it's such an easy thing to do that, you know, I think a lot of artists, you know, just don't bother doing these days, but it, you know, it's, it goes back <laughs> years and years like everybody was signed up for mailing lists you know 10 years ago and now it's you know it's it's not an old form like it's so vital and necessary to a release campaign and just like getting fans involved and feel like they're a part of this team as well um, and you know you offer them exclusive stuff you know maybe they get first dibs on a, an exclusive pre-order or you know stuff like that so Awesome. I, I totally agree with that. And, uh, um, it, you know, I got to say, like, as Indie Week, whenever we're sending out a newsletter about tickets, that's when we sell tickets. Yeah, exactly. Anything in between, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. So you have to talk about it and talk about it. And and sometimes uh, I, I find with marketing, you got to repeat, repeat, repeat. And I, I find mm -hmm. a lot of times everybody's like, well, I said that. Like, well, not everybody heard it, maybe, so say it again. How, 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 like, that's the power, I guess, of uh, building out farther in advance that you have more time to repeat uh, the mm -hmm. messaging. What, what, what are your thoughts on too much or too little in, in terms of saying the same message over and over again? I think there is, you know, a point where you can overdo it, and I think bands are scared of that, but I think they they normally think they're overdoing it way too soon. Like you can make three posts about a song going out and you're not going to annoy your fans. It's fine. You don't need one. You don't need just one. Um, so I, you know, I highly encourage, but I, when it, it also goes back to like, make those posts, like keep pushing it, but try pushing it in a bit of a different light. Um, so, you know, you, you release a new song, you put out like a pre-roll of the video or something like that. Um, you know, then, then you can share, maybe, maybe you record a stripped back version of the song and you're, you're posting it that way. Um, there's like, yeah, there's so many different avenues to keep pushing a song that you don't just have to keep pushing the same content. And I think that's really important because, you know, uh, you know, there's, as we said, there's almost a hundred thousand songs released a day. It can get lost. And like attention span is shorter than ever these days anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, you need to keep reminding them of, of this, of the song, but try and doing it in, you know, a different way almost every time. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I keep telling everybody, uh, I, I use the phrase don't be Canadian when it comes to this because we often feel we're pushing too much and it's not yeah. enough. Uh, <laughs> that's like, a good one. Yeah. Just got to push, right? Uh, you just got to keep pushing it. That's, that's the name of the game here. You know, like exactly. we said, you can't just throw it out and think it's going to pick up. You, you got to keep pressing and I'm going to keep getting in front of, of people. Um, All right. So, so now it's the week after release uh, what 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 does the week after release look like um so this is where you're really um relying on you know stuff to come in and how you can just keep sharing and utilizing that like you know you want press to come in and you want to keep sharing that you want to you want to do your 
There's thank yous to media and posts to media articles that have mentioned you for featuring you. You you know, if you get any playlist love or DSP love, you know, that's when you're, you know, you're sharing that playlist, you know, saying thank you, Spotify, <laughs> um, all that stuff. Um, and so you want to keep doing that. And then again, it's, you know, it's keeping um, your fans engaged. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, make a, make a playlist on Spotify and share it or, you know, build your dream set list of our, of our songs and share it. And, you know, you could win tickets to the tour or something. Um, I think, you know, I think running contests post-release are great because, you know, you're not taking away from pre-orders or anything and you can, you know, give away some physical. And, you know, I like, I like to do test pressings because they're so rare and that's normally when you get the most engagement, but um, you know, there's a multiple, there's so many uh, great platforms you can use for that stuff and that can all help drive to your record and streaming as well. Um, like you can easily build a campaign on, on toned in or something like that uh, where it's easy, where you just, you set it up and the prize is to win a test pressing. And then in order to do it, you have to save, save the record on Spotify. Save it on Apple Music, watch the music video to earn points, follow the band on Twitter, all, the, all those actions that are going to just get more fans either on your socials or on your DSP profiles. Um, uh, so that's a good one. And then, you know, this is also when most of your online and media and print spends are happening as well. Um, so, you know, you're lining all that stuff up to happen on release day. You know, maybe you're getting a billboard up then. Maybe you're, you know, your print ads are running. Exclaim, Revolver, whatever it is. Um, and then, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's so many great, you know, you, you really want to do your research on what media you're picking for this stuff and figuring out what demographic they're, you know, they're feeding to. But um there's some really great ones and somewhere, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can get, you know, a newsletter inclusion for a couple hundred bucks that, you know, goes to 200,000 people. Um, so, so yeah, that's when most of that stuff's happening. And then obviously, again, that's when, that's when most of your online and social media ads are happening as well. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're doing those for your single singles, of course, but uh, that's, that's where I, Dave, most of my budget is for when the album's out as well. And we'll be back. Hey, listener, you're listening to our podcast, which is a recorded session from one of our other online sessions. Every Tuesday, you can tune in and be part of it at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that is Toronto time. For those of you listening in from different parts of the world, uh, it's our Indie Weekly and that means we talk with music industry professionals, artists, all about the music business. It's a great way to connect with others as we have people tuning in from around the world. We encourage dropping links, sharing, DMing, making real connections while learning about the music industry and uh, hearing from music industry professionals. So once again, that's Indie Weekly every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Toronto time. And to sign up, just head over to IndieWeek.com and all the information is there. And we're back. Awesome. I've got two questions, actually. Uh, and I see people are already dropping in some questions. We'll try to get to those before the end. Uh, so the first question, going back a bit, because you mentioned submitting for playlists, how early yeah. ahead of time do you submit for the playlist? Because often I see people trying to do it like day before, two days before. <laughs> And it's like, no, yeah. <laughs> so, so no. far ahead. That will never work if you're submitting two days before, unless you're Drake. Um, <laughs> uh, so no, for us, we have a hard month deadline and, you know, we actually want to get it in before a month. Um, you know, we, we can, but we're not going to, you know, it's not going to get the, the biggest push as it should and won't get in front of as many people as you want it to, unless it's at least one month out. Right. And and, yeah. and are you also working personal relationships on some of the curators of the playlists as well? Uh, so that's a weird thing in, in the industry where, you know, most DSPs 
don't actually, you know, want it to be known who the curators are of the playlist. So um, for us, I mean, we have our reps at Spotify and Apple and all that stuff and all and all the other ones um, that we will inform about the releases. But it's it's a it's a formal just like, hey, this is coming out. Here's some marketing drivers. Here's why you should be interested. Yada, yada, yada. Um, but we're almost never directly in contact with the actual curators of the playlist. Um, right. That, and that, that's yeah. fair. Cause that's, that's, that's how it's, it's set up. And I think that that's actually a, a good way. Cause imagine the amount of data they're processing through the submissions. It's yeah. It's I big. mean, if, yeah, I mean, if their emails were known, then I don't think they would ever have less than 200 emails in their inbox at a time. Like it would be yeah. insane. I, I, <laughs> they I wouldn't a, see it anyways, right? So Yeah, uh, me working for like CD Baby for instance, I get a, hey, here's my release. What can you do? Uh, it's out and nothing because it's already released. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's no, already- they're, they're making these picks for these tracks a week to two weeks out anyways, you know? Um, So, so yeah, like I said, unless you're Drake or Post Malone and you're trying to put out a song a day before it's out, you're not getting on these playlists. Exactly. Um, And then another thing I would encourage too is, you know, we even do this here, even though we are, you know, we're pitching direct to DSPs and, you know, we go through the orchard who distributes us and they also pitch the DSPs as well. But there's a lot of like great, third-party playlisting uh, platforms that you can use, like Submit Hub and um, a few a few others like that, where it's very cheap to use, and you know you can get on some really great user-generated playlists that can really bump up your streams and monthly listeners. So um, that's something I always encourage as well. Yeah, Submit Hub is is great. It's it's one that you can kind of trust, um, and there are a lot of people out there that are kind of pitching to bands, hey, we'll get you on these playlists. Usually mm-hmm. not. I, I would yeah. not do that. <laughs> exactly. And never pay for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A huge no no. Um I, I I had so my second question was is you were sort of talking about print ads, billboards, and social. How does that budget break down versus like doing print versus an in real life like a billboard? street level Mm -hmm. marketing versus online how do you divide that up um i it kind of depends on the demographic of you know the band you're marketing um but uh you know you kind of it's it's hard to say how you exactly divide it up but like obviously if you know i'm doing an artist like sparta per se and you know, their fans are, you know, you know, mid 40s to 50s. They're not online as much. So you're not spending as much as digital advertising as you are on, you know, street um, and, you know, in store advertising, say it's, you know, retail posters or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it really depends. But then, you know, you're we're not spending watts on on street marketing these days. Um typically the budget is smaller than digital um in most cases it is um but uh I, and it also kind of depends you know how big an artist is in a certain region like if, if an artist is really big in you know say toronto then it it makes sense for us to get a billboard somewhere where lots of people are going to see it um but that's not always the case right so uh so yeah and- and, and how important is is print and you know uh, posters, billboards, that kind of thing? Because some people put their hundred percent budget into digital and and avoid the print mm-hmm. side of things. How how relevant do you feel it is? I feel it's still relative, and I think the reason it is is because the people actually reading these print and like these print uh, magazines are actual music fans and they're really into it um as aside from digital where it's like yes you know they might follow you on instagram and they'll see it but it doesn't mean they're actually like you know big fans uh of music and you know normally you know if someone's reading you know 
next magazine exclaim or revolver or something like that you know and they're purchasing this physical magazine they're probably buying physical music too um so you know you're at least when you're doing that you know you're hitting the you know the right crowd um but and then i mean it's also just a visibility thing like it's you know that's why we do our social facebook and instagram ads it's you know it's not that it's a huge you know um return on investment you don't see like the cpu being massive but you know it's getting in front of people and you know that's the same with uh you know when you're doing posters throughout a city or a billboard it's you know at least you you're getting eyes on it and people know that it's out there um yeah yeah, I, I really do still believe it's the, I saw it here, I saw it over there, I saw it again, and eventually it starts sticking. Uh, exactly. And then, yeah, and at some point, either a friend says something, or they see something else that just resonates with them. And mm-hmm. and and I think it's building a, the story and, and which builds trust, like, oh, I've heard that enough, I should give it a chance, I'm going to listen to it, or go buy it, or go go see a show, or something like that. So building, exactly. building trust through marketing, right? Um, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And yeah, I mean, you know, the more you see it, and if you keep seeing it, you're going to be inclined to check it out, right? So yeah, curiosity even alone, will just say, ah, yeah, I, I need to click exactly. this. <laughs> you know, how many times yeah. have you seen the same ad on YouTube uh, when, when they run a campaign? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, Saw, saw so many of those uh, ads all the time. All right. Uh, so let's think about, okay, releases out. How long do you kind of keep it going? And and how long are, are you like, okay, we're still pushing this. Uh, what's, what's a life cycle look like after it's out? Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, you're seeing record life cycles kind of just continue down a, a bit of a decline. But you know, I think depending on how active and how busy the band is, like, you know, that cycle is going to go on for another, you know, four to six months per se. But it also goes back to, you know, making sure, you know, the band is out on tour and in front of people, you know, a release tour is so important these days is just to get it out on the road and in front of new people. Um, and then, on top of that, like, you know, you kind of, you'll kind of notice when things start to dwindle down a bit and, you know, there's less engagement, um, you know, your streams are starting to go down, your monthly listeners are starting to go down, but uh, it depends what the band's doing and what kind of opportunities they're getting at the same time as well. Like, you know, there's, you know, maybe the, the band gets a, uh, a tiny little desk concert and then that, breathe more life into the campaign as well um but i think you're you know you can definitely plan for about four to six months of continual um marketing and you know um, of the campaign rolling post-release and then so hold on let me interject there for a second so planning and then executing and then release and then post-release, we're looking at, sounds like more like 14 months, uh, yeah. 14, 16 months possibly for a total life cycle. Yeah, big time, big time. And ideally more, ideally more. I mean, you know, these, these artists are pouring their hearts out and creating this, this album. And, you know, you, you want this campaign to ideally stretch out over a year. Um, and so, I mean, that kind of brings me to like, what else are you doing after that four to six months when things are really slowing down? Um, you know, that's, that's when you want to start looking at, you know, are you, do you have any B-sides you can put out um, and tag it on as a deluxe release? Uh, can you get any artists to feature on a track and release it as a feature? Or, you know, maybe you, maybe you want someone to remix a song for you. And maybe maybe you just want to get a lo-fi beat of a song and you can get, you know, submitted to some lo-fi playlists. Maybe then, you know, you're bumping up your streams and your monthly listeners again, too. Um, so I think it's, 
yeah, it's important to like plan something else ahead of time too. And even if it's just releasing the instrumentals of the album, um, you know, you want to have something in your back pocket to continue this campaign on after a little bit of time. Yeah. It, you know what? You just said all the things I, I usually say, uh, uh, and it is more for like out of, out of the album, like what are the priority singles that you're going to put all your muscle into? Um, I say you could do up to eight releases for like the main track or two tracks where instrumental. Yes. Uh, full version. Yes. But I call mm. another edit, a TikTok edit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> how, how quick can you get that hook in there? Um, mm -hmm. And we used to call like a radio edit in the old days, but I would say a Spotify edit. Cause again, it's like people scrolling and they listen 1.2 seconds, scroll again or not. Um, and then the exactly what you said, the features, the collabs, the remixes. Uh, so mm -hmm. that those releases, if there's eight of them, could stretch out another easily 10 months to 12 months, if not more. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's just constant like we're, we're now constantly feeding content. But uh, <laughs> I, I literally just had this talk at Breakout West with an artist and said, you can do this all while you're recording it, the the like the the main recording. So it's all sitting there ready to execute, as opposed to, well, I gotta do another, I gotta do another. And I think that's also where people maybe get getting caught up in the rat race a bit, just building content by content as opposed to yeah. bulk it, you know? Exactly. And I mean ultimately you want to keep releasing music, you know. Um I see, you know, content only goes so far as if you're not putting out new music at the same time. Um, so yeah, great point. Awesome. Uh, okay, before we get to questions, was there any other points that you wanted to make? Uh, da, da, da. No, I think that was pretty much, I think another um, key part is uh, da, 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 da is is something you know you're seeing more and more artists do these days but um something to throw at your campaign is you know figure out what the artist is into and you know uh relates to that's you know outside of music a bit um and you know try and plan for potential partnerships and how they can be utilized for both parties um you know you're just seeing more and more artists do these massive collabs that are doing so much for them um so I think, you know, that's something that, you know, you want to start thinking about as soon as you start planning your timeline and the campaign. But I think that's, you know, uh, every campaign I'm doing these days, I'm I'm looking for something we can, you know, partner with on. Um, and usually, the, you know, sometimes they'll help out and bring in some extra marketing dollars and stuff. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, it's, you know, you're getting more eyes on on the artist and their music um, by hitting this company's audience as well. And, you know, vice versa for them. So it's, it's usually a win-win. And uh, I like to, I send my artists a questionnaire prior to every campaign and just, you know, what are you into? Like, you know, street brands, fashion, do you like skateboarding, you know, do you like beer? What kind of beers do you like? All that sort of stuff. And it's all super easy. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah brand association uh mm -hmm. and and also one one comment i wanted to make a long time ago a friend of mine who worked for a record label uh gave me this advice when i was like really young is like there's two release seasons spring and fall um and and what that really fell on and he said that the better is spring because you could tour to support in spring tour to support in the fall and by the time you get to fall, you've got the reviews from the first tour to help promote the second tour. Yeah. Um, and the other part was the second it's January 1st, anything released is old in, in the eyes of <laughs> a lot of reviewers. Do you find it similar to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a good point. Uh, like spring is also in my eyes almost a better time um because yeah they they get that tour they get to do all the summer festivals around then and then they can do that big fall tour as well and you know that at that way you know 
you got the whole year to hit globe like all the global markets you know um you can you can get a whole world tour in throughout that time um yeah yeah it's, agree there. It, yeah just because uh he was very adamant like second it's like the years changed that's considered old and <laughs> he was like you very hard to get a review then yeah exactly it's it's true it's you know we've forgotten about that year at that point it's it's on to the next one so <laughs> it's it's a weird thing even if it was released in december it's old uh yeah all right so we're going to jump to some questions here um i think uh first question i think it's shireen uh would you send out a release for a video premiere the day of and if no how soon should i be sending out a release for a video that's not available to be viewed uh okay so yeah if you're getting a track premiered on on any media site um it's it's you know they normally want exclusivity is what i assume you're you're talking about uh so typically we actually don't send out press releases until the track is public um so it would be the next day and um for the reason of other media outlets sharing and getting, you know, getting more people inclined to share because other media outlets don't want to share someone else's a different media outlet's premiere, right? Um, so, so yeah, you'll you'll always want to wait until the next day until it's actually live for everybody to view uh, to get your press release out about a music video if it's premiering somewhere the day before. Good advice. Uh, I, I like that. Um, sorry, things jumped here uh, from Jonathan. You get a ton of reviews, etc., on a single day. Is it better to repost them all at once or stagger over multiple days? Uh, definitely spread that out a bit. Spread it out a bit. Um, when it comes to reviews too, like I like to compile a whole bunch of great quotes at the same time and get some actual, like you know different assets made um so you're not always just posting what the article the whole time um and you can get a you know something to go along with your aesthetic as well but but yeah i would i would definitely recommend spreading it out a bit um and yeah yeah so definitely spread it out um there's tools like later meet edgar hootsuite that you can schedule everything as well um mm -hmm. my my one tip is uh, it could potentially still be new to somebody a year from now. So uh, make a schedule for like, oh, this is, I'm going to have this post go out next week, but then duplicate it and put it out a year from now because you could still keep sending out these articles. As long as the links are still good, you can just keep, hey, remember mm -hmm. this came out last year. It's just, uh, I call it buffer content at that point. It's the stuff in between the important <laughs> stuff. Uh, but yeah. it's relevant, still relevant. Um, okay, yeah. moving on. Um, Elijah, do you consider finding and using alternative social platforms? If so, which ones? Um, I would just to kind of like add to that a little bit is, uh, you know, China has a lot of people. They have social media platforms that we don't know about. Uh, do you use alternative ones that maybe more niche, uh, that kind of stuff? Um, I'm honestly totally transparent. I'm not too familiar with many other social media platforms other than, you know, the main ones we use. But, uh, you know, I would say, you know, depending on where your fans are and where the demographic is, if you can see they're using that app, then fully invest in, in getting on that platform and, and working it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm just going to jump a question for a moment uh, because it's sort of relevant to what you just said. Um, also from Elijah, how do you figure out uh, the audience of a brand new band? Uh, like, how do you get that kind of data? Yeah, so I mean, that's that's when you 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 really use your ears um, and try and figure out what the similar artists you know sound like because um, you know obviously you know they're like some weird offshoot punk band. Guarantee you know there are other bands that sound similar to them, and it's it's really kind of going through, you know, maybe it's, it's a bit of a Spotify rabbit hole where you're going to, you know, fans of fans. Um, 
and sort of just cruising through there until you find it. And, you know, sometimes it can be a bit of a grueling task because, you know, it's a brand new band that, you know, you're not actually finding any uh, alike artists, but um, you, you really kind of just got to dive in and, and find out where that is. There's, there's not like a, a perfect tool to, you know, that'll just be like, oh, this is a post-punk goth uh, band. And it'll be like, here's 10 bands like this. You know, that, you know, we don't really have that yet. And if we do, I'm, I'm not aware of it. So it, uh, it really just, it takes research and, you know, honing in on, you know, what that sound of that band is and trying to find something similar and see what bands are doing it well and have, you know, have created some success and, and then look around their audience and, and, you know, what people are listening to uh, that, that like that band as well. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I, <clears throat> I would say uh, maybe look into digital tools like chart metric uh, is a data tool that allows you to do that kind of stuff. Uh, but what I've done sometimes with indie bands that are playing locally, uh, go to the Facebook page for the venue they play at. And, and like if that's their sort of scene and vibe, that's, that's a, a way I think that you can get engaged fans easier. Be like, hey, I'm playing the bovine next month. I see you like the bovine. What do you mm -hmm. like about the bovine? And and it, <laughs> it starts, you know, because there's a common ground uh, there, uh, which could turn into merch sales and ticket sales and all that kind of good stuff. Um, again, I'm trying to get through these because there's a number of them. Uh, another one is any tips for a band approaching a label about the possibility of them releasing an upcoming album? So they've got an album, but they want to get... Mm -hmm a label behind it uh how, how would they approach a label yeah so i mean your best bet you want to for one create a uh, a one sheet or an epk um you know which should have you know photo of the band you know a link to listen to the unreleased material short bio and any accolades be it you know streaming numbers uh notable shows um all that stuff um, and then, yeah, you're, you know, we get a lot of just random submissions through, uh, through our like info at Dino and Records email or info at New Damage Records email. And they're just, you know, they're just artist submissions. And, you know, there's, there's got to be something that stands out about it. And, you know, that's the main thing is I, it's I'll need, I'll need to see a one sheet or something and not just a blurb about your band and then a link to the music. Um, show me you guys are putting in the work. Show me that, you know, you know what it takes to be a real, you know, a, a successful band. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I also encourage, you know, like get out there and network because it is, it's very, very rare that, uh, a label is going to sign you off sending in a demo to an email. Uh, so yeah, find, find some contacts, you know, someone who knows someone who knows someone knows someone at the label and then maybe they can put you in touch. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a relationship game and it's all about referrals. Uh, exactly. So yeah, that's, it's, it's who, you know, but it's who they know as well. Um, mm -hmm very all my gigs all my jobs for the last god 30 plus years has been a referral i've not applied for a thing um <laughs> it's weird but but it, it's all referrals and and uh if there's one thing i could say how do you start that is simply helping people uh you'll get a lot of referrals and positive referrals if you've helped somebody and and i really do believe that's how you build your circle first is is how can you help others and then they'll come back and help you. And, and if it's, it's kind of like if you help 10 people, you've got 10 sales agents out there. And, and <laughs> they're going to come back and go, hey, I just heard about this. Do you know about this? And, and you never know what's going to happen. Um, I, I say this because, uh, like I say, it's, my life has been weird in the sense I took a desktop publishing course three and a half months. And I've been completely self-employed ever since. And everything's a referral me working for cd babies a referral so um yeah it's it's uh mm -hmm. so important i cannot stress that enough um look at the time it's already one minute after five this is how fast this goes uh i would like to say 
Jake, this has been awesome. Like we covered a lot of ground. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Uh, please let us know in the chat. Uh, give us a thumbs up or uh, something. Uh, so uh, Jake, um, any last words uh, before we sign off? Uh, no, I don't think so. But, you know, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. You know, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, this is great. I hope you learned something. And uh, yeah, you know, add me on LinkedIn or, you know, let's connect. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So that does it for this week. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jake Myhall from Dynalone Records. Of course, if you enjoyed it and you want to take part in future Indie Week sessions live, um, they're always on Tuesdays, usually at 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to see what's coming up, just go to IndieWeek.com, uh, click the uh, Indie Weekly tab there at the top, and it'll take you to the Eventbrite page to sign up. Um, it's always free. It allows you to interact, ask questions of whatever music industry expert and special guests are joining Daryl uh, that week. And it's also a wonderful way just to connect with other like-minded artists from really across North America and the world. Also, um, if you're looking for just kind of nuts and bolts, useful, actionable, expert advice on how to boost your music career, whether it's something like album release strategies or digital marketing, sync licensing, management, um, really any element uh, goes into having a career as an artist in this industry. Um, we have a conference coming up for you. It's uh, Indie 101. It's happening May 1st to 3rd online. Right now, uh, super early bird tickets are on sale. So it's an excellent deal, a chance to save $40 on your ticket. The regular price is $79. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Uh, the price goes up on March 23rd. So go to Indie101.com to grab your tickets. And uh, last but not least, before we go, just want to give one more shout out and thanks to our uh, wonderful sponsors and funders who without them, we couldn't do this. So they are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, SEMA, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, and the SoCan Foundation. And we also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. All right, big thanks to all of them. Thank you to you for listening, and uh, we'll see you back here again next Thursday.